to the studio where we are uh, on episode number two of, of our podcast that we call Three. Uh, I am Scott. Uh, we have Jimbo with us again today. Jojo is still with us. And um, guys, I want to talk. I want to throw this out to you. The one of my, uh, or I guess I should say it this way. Part of my story is is dealing with some health issues that really took me down to the bottom um, that made me question literally if I was going to be around the next week. And uh, through the, through that whole process, I ended up at a neurologist. And you know, if you, if you've been down the health, the health uh, path, you, you know, that if you're at a neurologist, it's, you've got nowhere else to go, right? I mean, he's the last in line. He had the, when I went to see the neuro, when I got to see my neurologist, he actually looked at me and said, "Look, if you're seeing me, you've seen everybody else. So I'm I'm kind of your last your last shot here." And I said, "Oh, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's uplifting." Thank yeah, you. great. So well, this is a this is you or else, right? <laughs> um, but so I've I've had some follow-up visits with him and uh, the most recent one was last this past week and uh, so I took the opportunity while I was sitting there with him, and I said, "Hey, we're we're doing this podcast. It's kind of, you know, it's got some backgrounds about behaviors and and you know addictions and recoveries and and just trying to get through life and and how our behaviors affect us." Um, and so I asked him. I said, "What's how much of this this topic is neurological?" versus psychological. And uh, his response was actually pretty interesting. He said, he said um, you know, because we have so many of these topics, or I mean, these, um, these things that affect us, right? And they're throwing off chemicals in our brains, they're throwing off chemicals in our bodies, our bodies start to get, get adapted to them. Um, and so on, on one, in one camp, you'll hear that this is neurological, right? It's your, it's your body craving, those those nerve and those chemical um, connections. In another camp, you'll hear that it's psychological, right? Because like if if you've got your personality is going after this stuff, or you've got under under um, under the rock type topics and issues that you've got struggling in your life, and that's what's driving you towards. These other things is all, is all this making sense? Do you believe it is cut or dry, one or the other? Can well, that's what it was interesting to hear his response because he said he said initially back in back when all this stuff started coming, and even to today, neurology falls under the the um, umbrella of psych the psychological camp, and so in the medical field. It's the whatever blah 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 department of psychology and neurology, right? So he said there it actually even to today they're still connected. There was a time when when they thought that everything was psychological, and then the more that they started learning about the the way that our nerves and, and our chemicals respond, then the um, they started to separate those out and say, oh no no no, it's much more neurological it's much more on the chemical side of life and it's 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 that and he said now it's starting to blend itself back together again so it's going through these these ups and down waves but from i mean what he said made sense to me right um but from from your experiences and the, the way that you kind of understand it, i mean what's 
how do you see that? Because there, there are those, there is that, that argument that goes on, you know, that, that says, oh, it's all, it's all chemical. Your body's just driving for those chemicals. I kind of see that. It, it, I obviously made the choice to pick up that first drink. Once I picked up that first drink, my body then clicks where one's not enough and either is a thousand. Where once I pick up and put in that first drink, it's off to the races. So I don't know if that is the body then doing the craving that you're talking about, or is that me every time making that mental choice where I want to, I can't physically stop at that point. Because every day when it got real bad, I was telling myself, I'm not going to drink. By the end, I was drinking at the morning to stop the shakes. By 8 o'clock in the morning, I had to have a drink. So I don't know. There's a lot of body issues there as well. So I think it starts with as simple as just a choice. And then, like you said, with the interweaving, I think it can snowball in a hurry where your choice can turn into something pretty fierce pretty quickly. At least it did with me. Right. Or is it a, is it a Band-Aid, I guess, is more from the, from the perspective. Is it is is your that choice was obviously to hide and to numb the feelings i was having for sure right right yeah, is I that mean, what and, you mean like as far and as it's psychological it's not just alcohol you know i mean there's oh, no. there's plenty of other drugs but then there's also just the the things that make us feel good i mean for somebody it might be shopping for um, or overspending or gambling gambling it could, <laughs> it could be, be anything could be anything i mean whatever you're using to try and cope but but that's the thing that sets off like I'm, I'm a, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm, a, I'm a huge <laughs> fanboy, right? I'm an Apple fanboy. One of the best experiences that that I can talk to you about about owning Apple products is just unwrapping the stupid thing, right? <laughs> 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 the, the the box is so pretty. You open it up, everything's perfect and just looks awesome. And you know, it's like it's this, it's this really goofy thing, but it's like that's almost the most exciting part of owning this product is opening it out of the box. But there's there's these this feeling that comes with that. Yeah, that's what you're chasing with any addiction or anything that you're doing in life. I mean, you want to feel good. I mean, we naturally want to feel good. And if it makes us feel good, then we want more of it. <laughs> right. It's that. It's simple. <laughs> right. And so stock prices go up. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. The problem is, is when it stops feeling good, but you're still doing it. You know, I mean, with anything, I mean... I can go into my gambling. I mean, after I quit drinking, I mean, I used drinking and whatever else I did, like Jim said, to numb my feelings. And um, that stopped working. But when it, it's still, my, my thing to do was to drink until I couldn't feel feelings anymore. That's just, that's what I did. Uh, I was in that camp as well. I, I, I didn't want to really be here. My, physically, I did, but my, I didn't want my mind to run. I, I couldn't stop it from running to think about all the things that were going on. Um, so one thing, whenever I quit drinking and drugging, I went gambling or I started actually, I started a business. Um, and you can ask Jim, I lived that business. I mean, 20 hours a day, I slept in my truck. I, I actually, I owned a towing company. Um, 
that I started knowing I was going to lose my license for a year and a half. And it's successful. I mean, not the... Five years down the road, yeah, it's, yeah. Doing, it's doing very well. Yeah. Believe me, at the beginning, it didn't think that that would be even possible. <laughs> a guy about to lose his license for two years, he's still going to run a towing company. Yeah, I just <laughs> got my second DUI. Uh, the job that I had at the time uh, wasn't working out, and I was talking to my mom, and she goes, well, you went to school for business, uh, college, and I was like, yeah, but I failed out multiple times. <laughs> 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 and she goes, well, why don't you start a business? And I'm like, really? <laughs> she goes, think about it and let me know what you think. So the next day or whenever it was, I was like, why don't I start a towing business? She's like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, really? I'm not going to have a license for a year and a half. <laughs> How do you operate a towing business with no license? <laughs> and um, I'm not even sure where I was going with that, but... He dove head over heels, obviously, yeah. with the drink aside, the drugs aside, his next obsession became the business. And I can relate personally. Once I find something that I'm the slightest bit interested in, I'm going to turn it into pretty quickly an obsession. And it's just, it can be as simple as a hobby. It can be a job where I'll go all in. And then it, I catch myself a lot of the times, and I don't know if that's where where the initial topic came in, but I'll dive head over heels into something. And then six months later I get burnt out on it or mm. it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. So it's just like, well, screw that. And I leave it by the side of the road and try to find the next thing that I'm going to dive all in on. Like I know when I was actively drinking like crazy, I had 29 jobs that I was fully committed to before I got sober and they were all great. All at at once? the moment, no, no, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but I had jobs that sometimes lasted as short as three or four days because I was chasing. I'd rather go out drinking with some friends than work. I worked at a deli, I remember, and I quit on a fifteen-minute notice to my boss because I wanted to go play volleyball and drink. And he just looked at me like, "You can't be serious." And I was absolutely serious. Volleyball was absolutely a priority right then and there, and I wanted to drink. So that mindset. And that obsession, it's just, I'm always searching for that next thing. And I'm still to this day, I'm probably close to 40 jobs at this point. If I ever sat down and actually compiled a list, it's crazy where I'm always searching for that next thing that's going to quote unquote, make me happy or I'll be content with. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing worth all of this is how do I just live life like a normal human being? What is normal? And that search for Okay, if I get this position, things will finally make sense. If I make X amount of dollars a year, I can finally live like that person. I'm always see myself comparing like, well, my friends are at this point in their life. Why can't I get there? Maybe if I do this, I just need to step back and realize that it is what it is. Life is going to happen. Trying to be happy in between is the biggest goal at this point for me. And it's not always easy. And I always have ups and downs, but... That constant search that you were talking about earlier, it's still there for me on an everyday basis for the most part. Well, and you mentioned t trying to trying to search for normal. What's I yeah, mean, that's normal the thing. is I such a relative term. Yeah, point. exactly. And is is there such a thing as normal? I don't think there is. I think we're all normal in our own way. Or we're all or we're all screwed up in our own way. Right, we're all screwed up. <laughs> and maybe that's the I mean, normal. I put it the nice way, but I mean, yeah, maybe we're that's all the normal up. part. <laughs> I mean, it's normal why to be screwed up. Fingers? I mean, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah, I have like friends that I consider them to be normal and happy. Meanwhile, like they could be living in a huge home, but they're struggling to make mortgage payment. You know what I mean? Like stuff right. like that. Like, right. do I want to be in that situation or what? I 
guess at this point, being 37 years old, I still have no idea what normal is. Right. And it seems like as the time passes, I'm getting more and more okay with the idea that I'm never going to figure it out. <laughs> now that you brought it up, I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what we're supposed to be doing down here or what normal is, but it's a fun little ride to try well, to find out. Well, doesn't normal... Normal is a um, statement of comparison. Always, right. Right? Because we're, we're basically saying, well, this, this, you know, it was, um, uh, John made me remember that John Ortberg wrote a book called Everyone's Normal Until You Get to Know Him. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so it seems, it does seem that way. But, um, but Plato talked about this, where there's, there's archetypes, right? There's, there's these perfect... Like there's a perfect horse, you know, there's this one perfect horse that exists in the heavens, he said. And everything that we see is, are all the horses that we see down here are horses that kind of like that one, but because they're all different, they're all just variations of of that thing and and aren't that perfect one. Do you personally try to strive after, not strive, but... I catch myself doing this where I'll be like, well, I'm better off than him at least. You know what I mean? Where you're like, <laughs> I know I'm doing better than that person. And it's just like, why am I such a shallow jerk? Yeah, like, one of my, that yeah. doesn't make any sense why my mind wraps like immediately like, well, at least I can name a couple people I'm doing better than. It's just, uh, yeah, oh, I used that a, a lot when I was actively uh, drinking. I was like, <laughs> wow, he is a lot bigger of a drunk than I am. I'm good. <laughs> He started at noon. I started at two. Can, I was I was on a bunch of softball teams where our cheer was "We're not last. We're not last." <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think that it's it's all about comparison. And how much of that comparison then is the thing that drives us, that that does demotivate us, that that takes away our inspiration, that that says there's I can't match that or I can't get there. I think that's and so why what's I the still point? compare myself to the people that I'm more fortunate than where I can say I'm better than that person because if I look at the flip side of the coin where I'm never going to be as good as that person, it's easier to wrap my head around I'm better than so-and-so than it is why don't you strive and make some goals to be better than that person. <laughs> it's easier to just say, well, I'm pretty good where I'm at because I'm still better. And then it's scarier to go all in to try to be better than the people that are above you. You know what I mean? Right. It's well, so and much it's even easier that to even maintain healthy? than it is to go for that next step. Is the idea of comparison even healthy? You know, I mean, what's sometimes sometimes comparison is a goal that that motivates us, right? And sometimes comparison is that thing that that takes us to other places, those those darker places in our soul, oh, where where we where we go into those competitive modes, you know, and uh, I, I don't know if it was the way I was raised, but it's always been that comparison. Like, I don't know any other way of thinking basically other than to compare myself to somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. I can't single myself out and say, well, how do I make myself a better person? It's always, how do I make myself more like so-and-so? Or like I said uh, before, I'm better than so-and-so. So I'm feeling okay with myself. That whole comparison, like, I don't know if there is another way. Like, I've never been at least taught or introduced <laughs> to how do I just live for myself and try to make myself better instead of comparing myself to the people that are either better off or less than me. So I don't right. even know that type of lifestyle, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm just kind of trying to flesh through it here as well. I mean, how, 
because we we've all have those heroes, you know, and those those people that were like, wow, that's I really look up to that person. I want to be like that person. Yeah, right. And so, how much of that is a drive to be like that person? But then, in that drive, are we actually not? just finding our own truth, our own, our own sense of who we are inside of that. You know, that idea of taking life on life's terms and just saying, okay, I'm me. And how, how does that work? While always, like, what are the things that drive you? You know, I mean, are you driven by comparison? Are you driven by wanting to be better or to be the best? Or what, what, what drives you? I don't think you have to look at it as just in comparison. I mean, you set a goal, okay? And there's other people out there that have achieved that goal. And you want to look at them and see how they did it. You know what I mean? And try to walk that path. And you don't have to walk, oh, that's one certain person. I mean, there's a ton of people out there. And if you could grab a little bit from all of them, and that's how you build your own path, you know? Mm. Um that's sort of what Joey was talking about there. Like I get uh, daily emails. I'm in the Pittsburgh area, as we mentioned on the first episode. I get daily emails from Clint Hurdle, who grabs emails from around the world from people that are inspirational, motivational. Mm. And there was one where this coach went into the locker room at the beginning of the season to a football team and said, on this piece of paper, I want you to write down your goals for the season. And after they all did that, they read them out loud to the team. It was lead the league in rushing, catch the most balls, get the most wins in the season, all these things that were just things more or less so then he had the players rip that up and say why don't you explain to us how you're actually going to achieve that instead of just saying i want the most touchdowns you have to realize what work is going to have to go involved with that and it was kind of cool because it's just like i want to have a six-figure salary someday well just saying that that's fantastic what are the steps that i'm going to actually have to do to get there right there's so much work involved in that it's crazy and I may never get there, but if at least I have a game plan in place, that will get me through that day-to-day, that living life on life's terms where I'm not constantly striving over that golden egg where I, if I don't get six figures, it's all or not. You know what I mean? There's a lot of players that want to lead the league every year in touchdowns, but there's only one at the end of the year that do it. You know what I mean? So we all try for those goals, but goal setting to me, I took on a new light after I read that email where it's like, it's obviously nice to have that end game but you got to f- develop a plan somehow, some way to get there. Right. I mean, when I started my business, I mean, I just didn't go into that dry. I went around and looked at all the other towing companies in the area, talked to the owners. And I was like, uh, some of the big ones in the area, and I'm like, oh, I really want to get to that point, or I really want to get to that point. And then you look at some of the other ones, like, I am definitely don't want to get there. <laughs> that's exactly what I don't want to be. And then that's how I came to the conclusion of, how I wanted to direct my business, you know, and that's where I got my goals from. It's like so wow, comparison, is- I guess, can be a good thing if we compare the right way. Right. Well, you can find bad in anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, you just gotta have the glass half full. That's all. you do, and, and it comes down to perspective in so many ways. Right. Um, I mean, Jojo, one of the things that I know that that you have said on a few different occasions to me is that. You you can find the good in anything. Anything. You know, no matter what's happening, you can find the good. You know, I still struggle with that at times because I'm a not doom and gloom thinker, but right away it's just like, oh man, why was this? You know what I mean? Like I start right. immediately, 
And I wish I had JoJo's mindset because <laughs> it does sometimes take me two, three weeks to realize why that situation happened the way it did. If I could have immediately, it's all about taking that first step back and realizing, okay, this does suck, but that big key word of but and finding that good out of a bad situation, I fully being transparent, struggle with that greatly. Because I'm right. immediately, and I don't know if that's the way I was raised or whatever the case may be. There may be deeper issues. Again, we'll save that for the deep track. But I just immediately think, like, why is this bad? Instead of the opposite side of the coin that says there could actually be some good from this. Right. How many people out there could look at a second DUI as one of the best things that's ever happened in their life? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly. I look back on that night, and if that night wouldn't have happened... I might not be here today. And uh, mm. I think that's just the way that God told me, like, you need to stop. And that was a scary night. <laughs> oh, very scary. I mean, I actually told the cop as soon as I got out of the, as soon as he showed up, I said, please arrest me. Because <laughs> I didn't want to live this way anymore. Wow. You'd finally been beaten. It's and, a nice uh, thing when that realization finally clicks. And it didn't click that night. I got hammered the next day, you know? It, it actually took a month after that of me coming home and getting followed again by the cops working on my third one before it finally clicked. Hmm. And that goes back to when Jim was saying about drinking against your own will. I did not want to drink. I woke up in the morning. And I said, I'm not drinking today. And, but I still had a couple beers in the fridge in case I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have that backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> Quitting's easy. I've done it a thousand times. But, Looking at it now, I mean, if I didn't have that DUI, I mean, I lost my license for a year and a half because of it. I'm still on probation because of it. But still ran a successful company all through it. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I never drove once without my license. Let me back that up a little bit. I drove twice, but once was to the hospital because I was very sick. <laughs> <laughs> Nice little caveat there. Yeah. <laughs> I try to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully the statute of limitations is over. <laughs> I mean, somebody drove me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, so I, I guess that some of that stuff does come from that, right? I mean, where, where we're, we find our drive. You know the thing that drives us. Like, I'm I'm much more more aligned with you, Jimbo. I mean, I'm I tend to be pessimistic first, right? And I f I know that about myself. I learned that about myself a long time ago. And so I fight to try and not be that way. You know, there's a struggle inside of me. We we talked the last the last episode about control. There's a struggle inside of me to to try to fight for that pers that optimistic perspective. And it doesn't always work. You know, I mean, um, my wife and I, we just got into a fight the other day because, because she said what I was saying was negative, you know? And I'm... I'm that's real. I'm just being yeah. real. <laughs> well, and, it, and that's what I, my response, except that, yeah. except that she called me out on my hypocrisy because mm -hmm. I'm very hard on other people who are negative, right? <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, why do you got to be so negative? You know, come on, come on. You got to find positive in this. And then she's like, well, that's very negative. Like, okay. You know, and that you know, obviously didn't go well. <laughs> but, but, um, but we found our peace. Um, but, but there is, there's that side of me and, and those comments can come and, and I, I can see 
those other the the bad much faster than I can see the good. And and so it's a struggle for me. It's a challenge. It's work for me to say, okay, no, I got to put that aside. There's good here. What's, I don't what's think the you're going to see that right out of the gate. I mean, it, it takes a little bit of time before you find the good in it. You might not find that the day that something bad happens, but you're going to f- eventually find the good in it. And it could be multiple things that happen. Right. You know? I mean, right. But you've got to be open to see it. Right. That's the biggest thing. Back in the day when I was actively using and drinking, if something bad happened, it was let's pack up camp, shut down, and drink over this for the next 10 days. And, and we'll see if it gets better. <laughs> sure enough, that shit storm was still there waiting for me 10 days later. So yeah. unfortunately, I've definitely learned to handle it a lot better. It's just like Joey was saying, it's not an easy thing for me to recognize the good in a situation. So right. obviously it gives me something to still strive for, but right, it's definitely not human nature, at least not my nature, to immediately or a couple days later, even weeks later, I'm always going to be like, well, that was still pretty crappy. When I can, <laughs> I, that's where my mind goes immediately first. And then if I actually did sit back or if I have someone like JoJo say, oh, well, didn't this also happen because of that? Oh, well, I didn't even look at it like that. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like if you flip the coin again, I've used the coin analogy now 16 times in this podcast, but if you flip the other side of it, sometimes there is a little silver lining per se. Well, and it's necessary, I think. Oh, I think sure. if, if you don't look for those optimistic perspectives and you don't look for the good, then then you're missing a necessary part of life. For if you really want to continue to move forward, if you want to see life blossom, you find what you look what you look for, right? I went to um, I I I bike, you know, as a biker for for a while, um, and I took a motorcycles, ride out, yeah, yeah, and uh, and I took I took a ride out to Sturgis. You know, nobody wanted to go, so I said, "Okay, piss on y'all, I'm going by myself." Right? <laughs> so I get, I get on the bike. If I had a bike, I would have went. So. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of miles on a bike. But, um, but yeah, so I went out to Sturgis, um, and when I came back, everybody was talking about the big party scenes that 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 are out there. Oh, did you go to this thing? Did you see this? Did you see that? And and I'm like, actually, I didn't. You know, I mean, I I found a camp that I could stay at. I took a tent. So I, I tented with the, with the bike next to me. I mean, I found it was a quiet little camp. You know, there's actually people left because it wasn't enough of a party scene, you know? So they went, <laughs> they, they went to go find somewhere else. I'm that like, would have been me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> see ya, but I'm sleeping tonight, you know? Um, but, and I, I never found those party scenes. I mean, they were around, I could have engaged, but I, but I was there for a different reason. You know, I was there to see the West. I wanted to see Mount Rushmore. I wanted to see the Badlands. I wanted to, I wanted to experience that stuff. And I wanted to see what it looked like when 500,000 motorcycles all show up at the same location. You know, that just, <laughs> it was very cool. Absolutely. But, but that was my response to them when they, when they asked me about all these different experiences that you hear about, you know, the, the famous, the infamous experiences that, that go on at Sturgis. They, they said, well, did you see all that? And I said, no. Because well, uh, you find what you're looking for. And during my, when I was drinking a lot, I didn't know there was people like you that existed. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I thought everybody drank. I thought everybody got drunk and partied. Like, why the hell would someone want to do that? (laughs) What's wrong with that? Just go out there and see the sights. You're crazy. It's the biggest party in the world right now. It's it's dirt. (laughs) 
You're going to see dirt. I eventually saw dirt. It was just after I couldn't walk anymore to hit the ground. <laughs> So but, yeah, so it is necessary. Oh, absolutely. And seeing that living that way of life now is unbelievable. I mean, the experiences that I can actually remember now. I mean, I remember going to my first sporting event and I think it was probably with Jimbo. And I was like, This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then when someone asked me, Did you see that play? I was like, Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I actually before, remember it too. Before I was like, uh, I don't think so. I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> or who was that band that you said you went to go see? Um, oh, I forget his name. Anyways, I remember you going to see the concert and you said, hey, this is the first time I've ever been going to see him when I was sober. You know, <laughs> Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews, that <laughs> was it. 25 times. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the first time I've ever Got really saw it. Got out of those concerts. <laughs> 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 but um yeah so i think that that's that's so necessary to to look through that optimistic lens um because i don't see how you move forward in life without it but because i've i've been stymied so many times through the pessimistic ones because you you just stop and you catch yourself in a rut like a month and a half later still sitting over that or stewing over that crap where it's just like if I'm able to just pull myself up by the bootstraps and realize this happened for a reason and there was some good in it, it's amazing how fast you can grow. You got to get rid right. of that poor me. Yeah, exactly. Right. That mentality of where it was done against me, like Joe has mentioned, and he always talks about things happening for a reason <sighs> where that's easy to say. But at that time, like, like you're saying the whole growth thing cannot happen if you sit there and let it happen. You know what I mean? Like, I've had a lot of terrible things happen to me in my back past and also while being sober. And it's one of those things where I've been able to rebound a lot quicker now with a clearer lens, like you said, compared to where before it's just like, let's just stew in this for a while. And mm. that's that horrible stinking thinking mindset where it's just like, oh, things will get better because I'll just sit here and sulk over it for another couple of weeks. And it's just like, who's that making better? You're not helping anybody around you. You're not helping yourself. What's the end game there? Right. And that's the thing, like, even if with my mindset, my first instinct bad, like we were just talking about, I feel that first instinct bad, I'm able to now at least, obviously it sounds like a crazy statement at 37, but I'm able to react a little bit quicker than I used to because it's one of those deals where, yeah, this sucks, but I also don't want to be unemployed for six months. Because <laughs> that sucks worse. Right. Like, I've had situations where it's like, oh, by the way, uh, your time's up here. Like, I remember back in 2011, fully sober, working in a call center environment, and I got let go the week before Christmas. I was like, these SOBs fired me the week before Christmas. I was so hell-bent and pissed at Verizon. I didn't mean to drop their name. Sorry, Verizon. But anyways, they fired me the week before Christmas. I thought my world was over. But it was kind of weird because I knew it was coming down the pike because I wasn't a great employee. So in hindsight, I knew I was terrible, but at the time, I knew the firing was almost coming, and I was messaging back and forth with my dad. And While like, you're at work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Could be part of the reason I don't have a job. But anyways, we devised up or came up with a plan where I would return to school. So after they fired me, less than three weeks later, when winter semester began, I went back to school full time. And I was able to live on my own at JoJo's and go to school full time and still collect unemployment. So it worked where I picked up an associate's degree. I made a crappy situation better in mm. a quick time. And that was the quickest turnaround I ever had. 
instead of sulking and boo-hooing and collecting the checks every two weeks and wondering why they still fired me, even though we just discovered it's because I was texting. <laughs> <laughs> they can. I basically put a plan together, and I had an associate's degree in communication less than two years later. So I made a crappy situation a little bit better a lot faster than I used to with that. That's where my everything happens for a reason. I mean, if you didn't get fired from that job... I would have never gone back to school. You wouldn't have went back to school. Right. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, I agree. And at the time, it was just like, what am I doing? I'm, <laughs> at that time, I was, what, a little, in 33, 34-ish, going back to school full-time with a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds at a community right. college. <laughs> it was just like, what is going on here? Talk about a world of change there. <laughs> yeah, you're the old guy now. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> well, um, okay, well, well, let's wrap this one up today, but... Um, uh, if if uh, if you're one of the things I guess we would ask you to do is is to subscribe to the podcast if if you got it off of iTunes or Spreaker or, or you know where whatever podcast uh, uh, platform. distributor platform that you use uh, go ahead and and subscribe to that leave us some comments if there's things you'd like to hear if um, uh, you know give us give us that feedback. Um, but definitely let us know what's what's going on and and uh, how we can kind of curl curl this podcast around to to help you. It's, it's our desire and our our hearts to inspire, motivate, and educate. We hope we've done that for you today, and uh, we will see you next time. Later on.